Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Muirden. How is it going tonight, William? We're a day late. But Buckshot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, however, we obviously bring a day's extra energy, a day's extra knowledge, a day's extra prep, tedium and boredom. You're rolling that sweet headband again today? You know it. Uh, yeah, day's extra prep. So this is going to be top notch, this one. We must apologize for running a little bit late. Uh, thing, things have been quite hectic for the two of us. So we uh, have let it slip, but we're going to make up for it. This is going to be a cracking episode tonight. I'm feeling it. The Big Ten yeah. is back. It is. And, and it's you've... so much fucking harder to prepare for. The Mountain West oh. is back. There's all these extra games. I, f- I forget I how difficult it was, just the, the breadth <laughs> of college football that you need to get your head around. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you kind of stepped, and pardon the pun in advance, on where I was going this because I just bought, for the first time in a while, some new socks. Nice And one. geez, a new fresh pair of socks are just delightful. And I wish that, you know, when, when, when it's like, oh, what do you get that? like middle-aged dude for their birthday, jocks and socks. It's like, well, yeah, socks are awesome. So I would take a fresh pair of socks every day. However, my segue to this is that having the Big Ten back is kind of like putting on a fresh pair of socks. We've got something new, something a little bit, I'm going to say different, but it's really same, same, but different. We know what we're getting in a pair of socks. We sort of know what we're getting in the Big Ten. So, but we do have that delightfully warm, soft, cottony freshness that the likes of Ohio State and Penn State and Purdue and Minnesota are going to bring to our Sunday morning. I, I like the start of your analogy. You kind of lost me a little bit, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. You, you went off in the direction that I, I, I don't know, I just didn't feel it towards the end there. But that's okay. cool. I mean, you started strong with that. It is good to have the Big Ten back. Purely because we have had all this chaos, and you and I love it, the one downside to all this chaos is you don't have the undefeated matchups anymore. Everyone's fucking losing. So it's kind of hard to find that storyline. We have a whole bunch of new life injected into that. Uh, Hopefully someone from the Big Ten that's not Ohio State can step up and and have a bit of a run. Like We want Ohio State to be good. I think that's certainly something. But we also want to see what was Minnesota last year. Maybe it will be again. Someone like that who can step up and and add a bit of intrigue across that conference. Yeah, for sure. And and again, it does still feel, and we've, we've spoken about this for almost three years now, that we are slowly chugging towards another Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, somebody someone else, else to lose. Yeah, kind of, yeah, in the in the top four. But anyway, we'll still enjoy the also runs. We've got a whole bunch of other stuff to get to today as well. We've got, we'll hit all the games, the big ones, and the kind of teeny-weeny little ones as well. Um, we've got the championship bar, uh, draft, not the championship bath. That would be something different. Uh, bold predictions and Will goes on the punt again. But before we do any of that, let's hit some news. Puka Williams opts out for the Kansas Jayhawks. He says thanks, but no thanks anymore to whoever's the coach there, Gene Chizik. I don't know, some old dude. Um, but he mails it in and says, I'm getting ready for the draft. And fair enough, because he's probably one of the best three, four, five backs in the country. Um, Rondale Moore, we know, is in for Purdue, but that is an opt-in as opposed to an opt-out. 
Speaking of outs, Devin Leary is one of those, the quarterback at NC State, who got off to a fantastic start to the year and, and got them in a good position in the ACC. He has broken his fibula, I believe, and is out from four to eight weeks. You don't normally hear the old four to eight weeks, but we'll see how that one heals up. So he is going to be on crutches, and we saw him go down in last week's effort. Jeff Brom tests positive for Corona, so he will not be manning the sidelines for the Boilermakers in their big matchup against whoever they've got. I can't even think. Iowa out of the gate. Um, so his, well, Brian Brom gets the job, so I don't know if that's a son or a brother or an uncle or someone, but I'm assuming some sort of relation because we know that nepotism exists in this sport as well. Have you got any other news, Will? Uh, I'd be surprised if it was uncle. Like, I, I, do, I don't see that, <laughs> but I, I like it. Uh, no, I just want to point out the, the Puka Williams one. I have read that his uh, mother's got some health issues. So that's that is played, true, yeah. played into that decision there for him to spend a bit more time with her whilst also focusing himself for the, for the what he needs to do in the draft. So... Disappointing for Kansas. Uh, what was already been, has been a disappointing start for them, um, and will only continue to get that little bit harder now. And the last bit of news, as we heard, come out this week as I've run out of time, is Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt fired his defensive line coach during the game last week, which I think was kind of impressive in their loss to Kentucky. Didn't just that swim move wasn't coming out right, or that like I don't know. It's a real boss that move. Stunt like during the game. Yeah, I feel. That, but you see how emotional coaches get on a like week to week basis. Is that one that he like walks into the locker room after the game and like five minutes after he's like, Ugh, maybe I'll just get on the phone and just quick text. Hey, sorry, it was uh, a bit of a mistake. Kind of like when you you know you do something stupid and you're like, Hey, sorry, didn't mean to break up with you. Would you like to come back? And then they tell you to get fucked. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He's gone full Donald Trump. You're fired. Uh, yeah, on, on the sideline there. And how do you take that too? You're just like, uh, okay, I'm just gonna. Here's yeah, my just pack your bag and... then. Yeah. See you like, later. Am I on the team bus home, or I got to get an Uber? <laughs> What's the deal here? <laughs> exactly. I charge this to the athletic account. How's this work? All right, we can't hang around too long because we tend to do that and blow this out. So a couple of fair dinkums. You've got a couple. I haven't heard these, so hit me. <laughs> yeah, we really haven't uh, spoken about these. So my first one here is that I'm taking Trevor Lawrence over the field to win the Heisman from this point on. I think he is the man, and I'm going to have him and over anybody else to win the Heisman. How do you feel? I don't reckon that? that's paying. I don't reckon that's paying great money at the moment. I don't know who's favourite, but I would agree. Yeah, I think that is fair. Ding. The only one maybe would be his running mate in Travis Etienne. <laughs> I would guess would. Be I think there's a couple there out there. Justin Justin Fields. Justin Fields. We, we don't know it. precisely. Right. We haven't got. Uh, you know. Trevor Lawrence has definitely got runs on the board this year, and that's always going to put you in a good spot. You do need to play well through November and December as well, and I've got no doubt he'll do that. 
Yeah, I mean, fair dinkum, mate. I, I don't have an issue with that at all. Okay. The, the only other one that you didn't mention there uh, that I think certainly in the conversation at the moment is Mac Jones at Alabama. Yeah, if he fair. continues to play at a high level and they continue to win and go on and win the national championship or are in that, then he's certainly going to be in and amongst it. Uh, and then the smoky Zach Wilson, who I think we're both rooting for. Oh, yes. I hope so. He's G's going to have to do something pretty special, though, to, to knock off those guys. And maybe Trevor Lawrence. We saw Joe Burrow have one of the greatest seasons in in college football history, if not the greatest season last year. And, and Trevor Lawrence is looking to really shake that up only a year later, which mm. is pretty unbelievable. And he's too good a player to not leave the college ranks without a Heisman. Like, it, it just... In my mind, it's only injury that stops him from getting there because he, he has been so dominant from the almost the moment he stepped on campus. Like he, he was this heralded prospect coming in and he's lived up to the billing and he's been so good. He's played yeah. in these national championship games. He's, he's a bit lost last year. Early it was a little bit to start flat. with, but like outside of that, he's that's just because expectations were so sky high. So yeah. I like that you think that's fair income. I, I think that's probably like... That's what the bookies are saying at the moment. I think he's under two bucks with the odds, uh, and it just seems well, the crazy. only the only like I was reading some stuff this week, and, and someone asked, "How do you beat Clemson? Like, how do you actually physically do that?" And the most kind of coherent, cohesive response was, "Hope that Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne get injured." Because outside of that, I don't know you scheming up too much to beat those two dudes. So, anyway, next one. Let's push on. Uh, you want from me to you? you yeah, yeah. I, I've got nothing, dude. You've got I have got nothing. nothing. Oof, I'm, okay. I am so prepped up with these game previews. Like I said, I got bogged down in the Big Ten. <laughs> I got bogged down in, you know, UTEP football and seeing where they're at. But, okay. Yeah. My, my second piece here for you is that Auburn is going to be the best head coaching job that comes available this offseason. You reckon it's going to take until the offseason? Well, I'm, I'm just saying that it will be a vacancy that they will be looking to fill this off-season. And for whoever the carousel spins up as the, the top candidates, that's going to be the number one job that is going to be sought after. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. You have to see some other teams bottom out pretty hard from this point on for that to occur. What other... I mean, this is probably a whole other segment, but what other coaching what are the teams are in struggle town at the moment that don't have a first or second year coach obviously florida state struggling but mike norvell's in year number one so you're not looking at him i think texas jumps to mind tom herman at texas makes sense if jim harbour at michigan has another mediocre year i mean he's been on the fiery little seat for since almost day one actually um, I was thinking Brian Kelly, but Notre Dame are in good shape at the moment. And he just signed like a 15-year extension. And he just signed like a massive extension. So he's out of that. God damn it. Um, so, yeah, like I think Michigan's better job if it comes available. Texas' better job if it comes available, even though you have to deal with it being Texas. Um, <laughs> but I, I just don't see those ones coming available where Auburn, I honestly think, is is a realistic shot at becoming available. And whilst you have to share a state with the powerhouse that is Alabama, there's certainly opportunity there. It's, it's a big-time gig. You don't think Texas is going to come open? 
I think Tom like, Herman keeps his job, but they lost it, to TCU. They've now lost to Oklahoma for what five straight years, six straight years. They're two or three more losses, which are legitimately possible. If they go down to Oklahoma State, if they lose to um, Iowa State, and they finish what fifth in the Big Twelve, there's certainly a risk. Like it's ooh, it's, it's, it's be... certainly open. I just. I, if I had to bet on that one, I oh, think he holds on. And the uh, the giant elephant in the room that we haven't spoken about would be the USC job with Clay Helton as well. Um, which, which he be just never seems to be secure. Yeah. Uh, and again, we could then take this further and talk about well, what coaches are in there. But those, this seems like a job for another time. And maybe that'll be our half year whenever we hit that maybe we'll discuss that at your place for a few catch-ups and do a mid-season breakdown how do we even know when the half year is this year like is it yeah, half year know, now is it when yeah i mean the, it's getting close the pack 12 close. starts get going <laughs> like, when are they finishing uh, i think it's supposed to be in line with everyone else it's just they're only playing six games so they just kind no, of that's gross all right, so let's get into our game previews. We do welcome back the Big Ten. So we will start there. And before we do that, the big issue I see is that we have seen chaos in the early season for every other conference. So I know this doesn't guarantee it for the Big Ten, but I could see some teams that are expected to create big blowouts pushing really hard and perhaps too hard, especially due to this big build-up and long wait and all the turmoil that they went through. I think these games are going to be really, really hard to predict. So I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm just going to crunch the numbers and give you a bit of a breakdown. But, mate, it's going to be up to you to be able to pick these winners because I have got no hope, I don't reckon. Yeah, I know. I'm happy to make a bold call, like uneducated, uh, just throw it out there and, and wear that egg on my face. So you've got All the right, right man for the job on this end. Let's start with the big one. This is game day as well. Number 18, Michigan. Go to number 21, Minnesota. You, my friend, are clearly a believer in the Golden Gophers. But Michigan come into this one as three-point favorites. The Tanner Morgan, if we start with the Golden Gophers, Tanner Morgan to Rashad Bateman, connection as he opts back in, should be as dangerous as any in the Big Ten. Uh, Tanner Morgan was incredibly efficient last season, and there's no reason to believe that he won't get that from his ball dome again. PJ Fleck in that fresh-looking shirt tie with half-zip-up combination that he kicks around in. will look to get the run game going and work his uh, passing game off of that. On top of that, and this is where my concerns sit, you've got Michigan blooding a new starting quarterback. Harbaugh hasn't committed to the starter yet, but it appears that Joe Milton will be the guy. He's a strong-arm sophomore, so he looks to take the reins. And I think the Minnesota offense versus the Michigan defense, which should be really good, that matchup appears to be the juiciest of the game. So now I'm turning to you, Will. What's going to happen in this one? Yeah, I mean, Michigan have always had players. And, and this is why we kind of talk about Harbaugh being on the hot seat because they should be where some of the other perennial contenders are based off of the size of this program, the recruiting that they're doing or expected to be doing. And they just haven't been doing it yet they still do turn out a decent amount of pros, like they are putting dudes into the NFL. And they did that last year. They, they lost a number of big-name players. They're, this year, they're replacing four players on the offensive line. So it is a really 
fresh unit up front. They're, they're having to blood a whole bunch of new players where, as you mentioned, Minnesota, somewhat of a settled team that was better than this Michigan team last year. PJ Fleck has done an incredible job everywhere he's been and he's taken that to Minnesota. He's elevated this program and I have confidence that they can continue on with what they're doing. It was a massive hit when they lost Rashad Bateman who we were all looking forward to having a massive year this year. Now he's back in. That's awesome. That's a real injection for them. That would have brought about life to that whole program too who really want to play football, have, have been through so many ups and downs, and to have that kind of come back in, I'm, I'm backing in the Gophers in this one. I think they can get it done uh, and set themselves up for another year of looking to compete in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I, and I think Michigan are perennially overrated until they can prove that they're not. And under Harbaugh, we haven't seen that. He hasn't taken them into, I wouldn't say, even say the upper echelon, he hasn't even taken them into the above average echelon on a consistent basis so yeah i have to agree with you i I trust pj fleck more than i do a michigan team so let's continue on as we talk about probably the the big big hoss in the big 10 and that is ohio state as they host nebraska in what is clearly a spiteful matchup, not between the two teams necessarily, but between Nebraska and the Big Ten administration. Uh, if we start with Nebraska, Adrian Martinez came in with big raps. He had a bit of a disappointing season last year, as did Scott Frost. They failed to deliver, and to me, I think this year things need to start turning around. Scott Frost is in year number four now, three. Three, I think. I kind of remember. Year number three, and it's and it's time for him to see some improvement. You can't run through another what would be eight and four, but you know that's not going to happen. So whatever it's going to be, they can't go and turn this into a what they got a ten game season. They can't run a four and six season. They've got to get over fifty percent. The run game looked pretty good last year. They were sound, um, and they'll be able to run the ball again with Dedrick Mills leading that rushing attack. On the Ohio State defense, they lose Akuda, Chase Young, Arnett, all these first-round guys last year. So there'll be new faces, particularly in the secondary. But I don't have too many concerns on this one. I don't think Nebraska have the athleticism or the speed to match Ohio State on offense. And not only that, Ohio State may have the best player in the country in Justin Fields as well. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on this one, my friend. Uh, I I want Nebraska to be a thing. Like I, I'm really keen for that. I, I liked in the off season how they fought for football, uh, albeit you know against some me- medical recommendations. But they were one of the drivers in the Big Ten to say we want to play. We're really keen. I like Scott Frost as a coach. I like what he's been able to do. And as you mentioned, he hasn't fired a shot there. I, I do, I do. I don't know what it is. I'm just a Scott Frost guy. Yeah, I'm but you said you like what he's been able to do there. I don't like he hasn't been. Well, able no, no, to do like anything. do across his career. Oh, so okay. previously uh, at yeah, UCF okay. and, and what yeah. he built there. Like, I credit a lot of the success of that program to him. Yeah. Uh, so I I want things to turn around, but this ain't the game to do it in. Like this no. Is, this Ohio State is a different beast to, to the other teams that they're going to be coming up against. And this is the team that everyone's, try, like, swinging up at in the Big Ten. These guys are really good. Ryan Day looks like he is, you know... A, inherited something quite nice but looks like he's the man for the job he he certainly Mm -hmm. hasn't been overwhelmed by any of it so 
Really impressed with what we've seen there. I, I think that this one could potentially be well and truly done by halftime and uh, Ohio State kind of coast home with this. The fact that it's at home, in the shoe, they're going to be eager and pumped up. I mean, both sides will, but for mine, it's it's Ohio State uh, in a canter. So I, th- I don't know where the line is at this, like 29 23. 23, 23. 23. Yeah, it's quite so large. what does Nebraska have to do to for us to think that they're they're going to be okay like is a 20 point loss i not not that you ever take lot there's no such thing as good losses but like you know if they can keep things close and and a 20 point loss a, a 14 point loss a 17 point loss yeah, can like, they say like they, what do you need to it. see from them to believe that they're actually turning the corner on this thing you've got to keep it within two scores here i think like i, I think to actually have confidence going into the rest of it. You can't just get blown out by anything more than that. You want it to be a game into the last quarter, uh, and it's still to be competitive at that point. So as long as those things are going, then they can take something away from it. I would love to see them kind of come out of nowhere and us get some chaos right off the bat in the Big Ten and see that happen. I just just think that's a bit far-fetched. Yeah, so do I. Okay, another team that is probably going to get beaten by an old stalwart. That is Illinois and Wisconsin. I say that, but Wisconsin went down to this fighting Illini team last year. So this is a revenge spot for the Badgers. Uh, The issues for Wisconsin are that Jonathan Taylor is gone. Uh, So is Quintus Cephas. He was the leading receiver last year. Jack Cohn is injured so they get Graham Mertz calling the signals and he's supposed to be a really, really, really good one. But having said that, it does take time for offenses to pull things together a fraction. Um, I believe they will because Illinois are just not really that good. Their offense is going to struggle to move the ball. Um, so it's going to give you know Graham Mertz and this, this rushing attack probably, which is what Wisconsin will lean on, time to get things together. Yeah, Wisconsin are an interesting team in that they certainly don't recruit at the same level as your Michigans and Ohio States, but they perform much better on the field. They're, they seem to always be in and amongst the Big Ten championship game. Uh, they're, they're around the mark. They, they have their identity. We've spoken about this before. They know what they're about. They like to run the football, and they do that very effectively. Uh, I think this one, though, I mean, Illinois have got some turnover, but yes, they're on the road. Giving up. 20 points I think it's closer than that I like the Illinois to cover in that one I think there's just too many moving parts in in both of this for that line to be as big as it is Uh, so I was surprised to see that off the bat I think Lovey Smith is doing a good but you know not spectacular job out there Uh, he's, he's kind of had some really good results early in the season last year. I think they got off to like a 6-0 and start or something um, from memory and then sort of fell in a bit of a hole. But I, th- I think he is kind of starting to turn things there and, and you're going to start to see some results. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this as a, a much closer game than that line might suggest. See, I think Illinois are going to take a step back this year. I think they hate, they, they fired their shot last year and... Um, they had a couple of good recruiting classes and blooded all those young guys in the years prior. They'll still reap some of the benefits of that, but I think Illinois probably take a step back this year. 
the next three games have all got a little bit of intrigue for me in different ways in the Big Ten. So if we start with North Northwestern as they host Maryland, I know this probably this one probably sounds like the least entertaining and least interesting game of these three final games, but I don't have heaps on it. But Northwestern. They were horrific on offense last year. And can they get themselves to a situation where they're merely competent or capable? You've also got Tua's little brother, uh, which he's always going to be. He is going to, or is he going to be the starting quarterback at Maryland? They haven't actually announced a starting quarterback. Northwestern should have a good defense. Maryland loses Anthony McFarlane. I know I've jumped all over the place back and forth there, but you're looking at a Northwestern team that couldn't score, but played good defense. And you had a Maryland team that could actually do some damage on the ground last year, but lost their leading rusher. So what does that all mean? I don't really know, but I think Northwestern, if they can find some scoring, go and become that really tough out again that they have been in years prior in the Big Ten. Yeah, okay. I mean, this is a matchup of two teams that really disappointed last year. Uh, Northwestern, before that, had actually been trending in the right direction. They'd been looking quite good. They'd had a couple of really respectable years where Mike Loxley and his tenure... Big Ten Championship game? Yeah, 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 I believe so. Uh, But Mike Loxley for Maryland has has been nothing short of disappointing. Uh, His record in the Big Ten is... 8-16 8-16 and 16, or, uh, whilst the head coach there, which is not what you're looking for. And he really needs a big season to start to ter- turn things around and, and to get that in the positive uh, direction. But it's, it's hard. I mean, with, without knowing, seeing anything at the moment with the, the yeah. broken off scene, who knows what's going to happen in this one? It, it's interesting to note that Northwestern are quite heavy favourites in this. So they're, they're mm-hmm. 11 point favourites. I know they're at home, but I would have thought the ineptitude of both of these sides last last year would kind of leave it a bit closer than that. So on that fact, I kind of I lean Maryland just because the uncertainty kind of has me thinking they could win or at least keep it close. Uh, I've got two options there rather than Northwestern having a big blowout. So uh, it'll, it'll be good to see what happens from this one because I think right off the bat we're going to know whether we have someone heading in the right direction and someone who's still lagging and, and struggling. So really, really important matchup for both of these teams. And I don't want to labour the point too much or, or, or you know, bring back to bring back these points too much. But you said Mike Loxley, he's what six and eighteen or eight and sixteen or something. Eight and sixteen, yeah. Eight and sixteen. Uh, in so what he's batting at thirty three percent in the Big Ten. You said he needs to turn around. What does Maryland look for in like what should they expect? Because then, let's be real, they're not going to push Ohio State. That's not what they're probably aiming for in the short term but what's acceptable for a maryland team are they uh iowa capable are they indiana is that all they're going to be is kind of like a plucky upstart are they a minnesota that can actually turn this into a ranked decent team yeah i I think it's it's obviously not going to happen overnight but this maryland program for a while there was starting to generate some buzz they have the under armor armor founder there and he injected a lot of cash and excitement into that place, similar to what we saw out of Oregon. And, and there was talk that they could become the East Coast Oregon. And they need to lean into that. They need to do whatever they can to make that happen because then all of a sudden they're relevant. 
And, and I think mm. that's a possibility with a booster like that who's able to generate uh, apparel and, and a whole line specifically for that football program, which I'm sure he's willing to do, then you can start to build on the recruits. And whilst the East Coast might not be so known for its uh, recruiting and, and being the hotbed uh, up there, there's still plenty of talent to be able oh, to source in from. The there's still DC like area, there's heaps, heaps exactly, and heaps. exactly right. There's a hell of a lot of people up there, and mm. so th- there's an opportunity for that to really explode given the right opportunity, uh, given the right circumstances, and finding the right head coach to unlock that is going to be pivotal. So if Mike Loxley is not the man, and and I think we'll, we'll know that this year, I think, you know, a five and three record is, is really needs to be the minimum for them. Otherwise they need to find the one who can unlock that potential for them. He's from the area. He's supposed to be able to do it. All right. Penn state go to Indiana. This one to me is a really, really intriguing one. You've got a situation where Micah Parsons, as we know, probably one of the top handful of defenders in the country has opted out. He did that a long time ago. Journey Brown, the running back, is injured. Now, that may be okay because you've got Dan Kane that can step in at that running back position, um, and he's a really, really good piece. So I'm not super concerned, but you do take a little bit of a hit in the backfield there. And on top of that, you've got... Um, an Indiana team that every year pushes teams sporadically and it, it, often it's Ohio State or they'll be up against somebody big whether or they'll you know be in control of Iowa or they'll be up on Wisconsin or whatever at half time. So it's not an easy place to play and I think Indiana have got some skills. In fact they did I mean they did that to the Nittany Lions last year. so, it's not like they haven't done this in recent times. I'm not super sold on Sean Clifford and the Penn State offense. It'll be interesting to see what new offensive coordinator Kirk Scirocco can do there. Uh, on top of that, you've got a Penn State team that got opened up through the air last year. So I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this Penn State team despite their high ranking. And Vegas kind of agrees with me. Six and a half point line, they're not super confident in Penn State either. So where do you sit on the Hoosiers and the Lions? Well, I was super bullish on this Penn State team going into it. And, and this was before the whole season got blown up and, and everything happened that we were. I, I really thought that they could be a team to challenge on the national level. Now, losing Micah Parsons was one of the most disappointing things for me personally on the whole season because he was one of my favorite defensive players to watch. He, he is a legit superstar and he was one that I was really hoping we would see opt in because he is just all over the place, an absolute difference maker on defense, and one that really catches the eye when you watch those games. So he's going to be missed. And with that, as you mentioned, they've got injuries at the running back position. There's a fair bit of turnover uh, at the receiver spot as well, with KJ Hamler going out and, and being drafted. So I think it can take a bit of time for you to develop a bit of rapport with your receivers. Uh, and there is... No tune-up game. As we've seen Mm. with all the other conferences, you don't get that little lead-in blood game for your your team to come together and for all of those practices to turn into live action. It's happening on the fly. And if you were 5% off in your preparation, then that can be massive. And I I see why the line is so close. I still like Penn State in this one. I think they're the more talented team. I still think they have the potential to to make something out of this year. 
but there's certainly been a lot of question marks thrown in and amongst that mix that makes me a lot more less confident that they're able to do that. Yeah, and I think Indiana are you classic. They're almost like you could throw them in a bucket with like Kentucky, probably, uh, South Carolina, just teams that you've got to play well against to beat them. You, you can't just roll out here and Kansas expect... Kansas State. Kansas State, you, you, yeah, absolutely. Similar kind of vein where you do have to play well. You NC cannot... NC State. Yeah, keep, keep reeling them off, mate. That's good, well <laughs> yeah. done. Um you know, and so they're going. To, Penn State are going to have to go and win the game. They're going to have to go and score points. In bust Big Mick uh, on either side of the ball. So it, it's really important that Penn State go out there and send a message and and be able to control the offensive and defensive line. All right, Purdue welcome Iowa to town. I'm really interested in this one because I want to see if all the turmoil at Iowa over the spring is going to play out on the field. We knew there was all this stuff with um, Kirk Ferentz and the fitness guys there, uh, the per- the trainers, and whether this is going to have lingering effects onto the game or whether the players will be finally relieved to just get out there and play. Purdue, Purdue were not very good last year, let's be honest. But they have won two of the last three meetings. They get Rondale Moore back, who is possibly the best weapon in the Big Ten. And they've got experience at the quarterback position and along the offensive line. So it's kind of coming together a little bit. We know Jeff Brom, who obviously won't call the game, uh, but he's a good play caller and he'll play up-tempo and they'll they'll move the ball and score points. But Iowa play really, really good defense. So, um, you know, their offense has been disappointing to say the least and and i know we're going to go into this game with some talented wide receivers with a refusal to actually throw the ball forwards on a consistent basis and they're going to be averaging 21 to 24 points this year which will be disappointing because they just can't score touchdowns i don't have any reason to believe that iowa's offense is going to change dramatically from last year which was painful to watch that's a lot of talking by me. I think the game is won in the trenches, and that's where Iowa have the upper hand, possibly. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't hate Purdue in this one. Yeah, uh, there's a hell of a lot going on in this one, especially now with Jeff Brom missing mm. via the COVID. It's just another layer there that you go, fuck, how do you predict who, who's going to win this? Is that uh, a the- false positive like Saban, though? Like, is it, are they going to get three tests flown up and a... Yeah, no, they're not. No, they're not. Well, he, yeah, I think he ate like uh, chicken fetuses or something to heal himself. That, mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's the cure for COVID, by the way, in my okay, mind. Okay, good. Chicken good. fetuses. Um, good. But he he's out. Uh, as you mentioned, Iowa have been all over the shop this uh, off-season with the accusations around Kirk Ferentz and the sort of program that he's running mm-hmm. and some issues with racial inequality. And it's only recently popped up again within the last fortnight. There were former players coming out uh, saying, you know, he should be fired. He, he still shouldn't have a job. So th- there's a hell of a lot of distraction in place there that... <sighs> Who knows how much they're buying into this, uh, how much they're hearing of it, how much it's having an impact to that program, or how much of it is just 
water off a duck's back. They don't see that. A few disgruntled ex-people on the outside. We don't know, and we're not going to know until we see it out on the field. So I'm with you. I actually like Purdue in this one. I think they're a cheeky one uh, to, to win this one outright. So that's where I would be heading, but not with a whole heap of confidence. Good to see Rondale Moore back. Yeah, I think you I think you bet with caution in the Big Ten this week. I would just avoid it like the plague. You probably won't, Will, but we'll see about that later. <laughs> okay. Um, and the last game is Rutgers face-off against Michigan State, and that could be a mess this year with whatever the fuck Michigan State are doing. Um, and Rutgers are never particularly good. So um, we will probably not keep a close eye on that one. Let's chuck across to the SEC this is going to be a short one. Alabama at Tennessee. People were talking about a oh, letdown after Georgia. No, this is Tennessee week. They blow them out. There is no way in which Jared Guarantano is going to be able to keep up the pace with Mac Jones and all those wide receivers um, and Najee Harris and this offense. Jared Guarantano is going to have to go and win the game, and that's not going to happen. This is an Alabama blowout. Can I, can I have this as my chaos game of the week? I mean, you can. I haven't actually got one this week, but absolutely. You know, this. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> you can. There it How? is. I'm, I'm going. I, I just think, as you mentioned, it, it's a dangerous little spot for Alabama off of the back of last week, especially knowing that Tennessee have, have dropped their game as well. No one expects Tennessee to win this game now. No one gives them a chance in hell. And this game uh, is going to be played in Knoxville. So it's a, a home game for Tennessee. I just think with everything that we've seen this year, and there's not a lot of logic behind this because all logic says that Alabama will win and Alabama should win comfortably. I think with what we've seen, I wouldn't be shocked to see Tennessee come up and surprise in this one. Does surprise mean they win? Maybe. Does surprise mean this one's going down to the wire in the last and Alabama are able to flex because they're a really good team? Perhaps. But for mine, I don't think that Alabama are just going to roll through Tennessee like everyone's expecting them to on the back of last week's results. Because if you take those ones away, then this is a much tighter matchup than what I think most people are expecting. Okay. Interesting. I do not have a chaos game, so I'm madly scrambling to try and find <laughs> one. And I also don't have the AP poll up necessarily. So I need to quickly find something. So I'm obviously just... There's that extra day prep that we had. Yeah, obviously. obviously Dude, seriously, how are Kentucky not ranked? That was going to be my next one. Speaking of Kentucky, let's let's jump into that one. At Missouri, uh, this could be an interesting one. Obviously, Missouri coming off their win against LSU a couple of weeks ago. And then a Kentucky team that's rolling. And we spoke about them in relation to Indiana as well in the fact that they're a good team and you're going to have to bring something good to the table. So can Basilak and the Missouri offense back up what they did against um, LSU? Um, Because they're playing a consistently consistent Kentucky defense and run game. I don't know really where I sit with this one. I think Missouri are going to have the peaks and troughs this year, while Kentucky tend not to do that so much. Their ceiling is lower, but their floor is far higher, and that and that gap is so close, possibly the closest in all of college football. 
I believe the running game and defense will win out, but it wouldn't shock me to see Missouri win this one either. So um, I think that one could be a really, really entertaining game. It also could be over at halftime. So just keep a sneaky eye on it. Uh, that one could go down to the wire. Yeah, no, I am with you in that I think this one will be an entertaining matchup. Uh, I want it to be on record here for you, all of our listeners, everyone, that I am on the Connor Basilak train real early. Like okay. I am okay. I'm on board, I'm planting my flag, and, I, and I'm riding him, and, and he's going to take me to the top. I'm expecting... Don't ride him, dude. Don't do that. He's heaps bigger than you. I know how yeah. this works out. I've seen it before. Actually, I haven't seen it before. This is... <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> eject, eject, eject. You were watching? Um... <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I really like what we've seen from this kid in his opener and, and I think it can continue. So I'm backing in Missouri with that. I think I'm going to be able to refer back to this moment many times in the future because he has a bright, <laughs> bright future ahead of him. And I'll be like, hey, remember that time when I said he wow. was going to be a thing and, and now he's a thing? I'm, I'm calling it now. So there's absolutely an opportunity that he kind of reverts to a freshman quarterback and is you know, absolutely destroyed by this decent Kentucky defense and just does nothing. But yeah. I'm not expecting that. My, my boy's going to throw some fire. And uh, the Tigers are going to beat the Wildcats. Okay. We'll jump to the next lot of Tigers then, and that is Auburn head to Ole Miss. Now, I want to get your take on this one because I think I'm going to go in a slightly different direction i will before i do that i will go on a bit of a preamble about how auburn's offense is in a funk and this they actually their offense reminded me of remember when we were in a rut do you remember that like i'm talking like circa 2014 maybe 20 maybe even before that 2012 in town every weekend just wasn't really happening for us we were we were struggling we were there we were hanging around we were there till three o'clock four o'clock spending $300 a night or whatever, but it just didn't just didn't have the edge to it anymore. Um, that's when we realized we were starting to get washed up. But that is where I see Auburn's offense at the moment. Um, but take us through this one because I might uh, throw a bit of a spanner in the proverbial works here. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, I've kind of mentioned earlier that I think... Gus Malzahn is in real trouble. And for, for that to be the case, like they dropped this game and, and then he's certainly in, in real, real hot water. So I, I, I think it's a good chance that they do lose this game as well. Ole Miss have been really, really good offensively. They've been putting up points and I have not, as you mentioned, seen Auburn be able to do that consistently this year against... SEC caliber uh, opponents so th there's a real risk that they're not able to get it going and Bo Nix isn't able to take a step forward like at some point they're going to look at pulling him and maybe it's leading into this game maybe it's after a disappointing quarter in, in this one but he hasn't shown enough for this Auburn team for anyone to have any confidence in this Auburn team so this is a real line ball game for me um I mean, Matty Corral himself, while super exciting, threw six picks last week. So he's, he's not without his own issues, uh, and that's what could certainly keep Auburn in this one. But the, uh, for me, all of the pressure is on Gus Malzahn, 
And because of that, I probably give them an edge that he's he is a good coach. He's able to pull mm. something out and then get it done. Yeah, I actually kind of agree with you. Like probably everyone thinks, and you probably thought I was going to get on here and and put Auburn on blast again, which I did think that I'm tempted to do because I think they're. Defense is mediocre. I think their offense is mediocre, but they're playing a defense that is horrific. And it's almost like, what is the worst combination? Mediocre defense, mediocre offense from Auburn, or a combination that Ole Miss is going to trot out there, and that is shithouse defense and really good offense. So what do you prefer? What are you taking? Um oh, <laughs> If Ole Miss had won last week, I think Auburn probably does this comfortably just because every time I get so far down on Auburn, they churn it out, come out with a win somehow. It might not be that great, or they'll go and win by 10 points. Don't ask me to rationalize this. I'm picking Auburn straight up. I I think they bounce back. They play better. I still don't think they're very good, but I don't know that Ole Miss is all that either. I, uh, the only concern I do have is that if Matt Corral bounces back and if he has a bounce back game as well, then I don't think Auburn are going to score enough points. So uh, I'm going to take the Tigers with very little conviction, but it should be an entertaining one. And I'll actually probably be going for Old Miss because, again, I want chaos to reign on the plains. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I think we're going to need to pick up the tempo a little bit here. Now we've got all these extra games as well. We, we can't labour around. We've really <laughs> okay, got okay, okay. South Carolina are at LSU. Uh, to me, this one is a little bit interesting. Will Muschamp teams uh, do not make me particularly warm in the loins, but LSU defense is not good. Again, we mentioned similar teams, Indiana and Kentucky. South Carolina are going to make you play well to beat them, and I don't know if LSU can do that. Yeah, I think they're really going to benefit from the time off that they had. I think this is it came at a opportune time for an LSU team that was really struggling. They they needed a bit of a break to be able to reset, uh, reestablish some stuff, get over the film that they've put out there, and and really rework some of the players because they've been nothing short of super disappointing this year. Uh, you, you mentioned that they could be the worst team in the SEC West, so that's quite the fall from grace. Uh, I think they'll benefit from the week off and bounce back. They still have the dudes. Like Derek Stingley is an elite player on that defense, and that defense has looked awful. So they need to do more around him to to get better and I think they can I think it is there on the field yes they've had some coaching turnover yes it hasn't been a great run in yes they had a terrible uh, numbers with COVID I mean in, in the preseason Orgeron said that they, he thought everyone had had the COVID at some point across their program which is just nuts uh, but I think time is only going to help this team so I'm expecting them to come out off of this off week and, and look like a new team and much more like the LSU of Maybe not last year, but at least old, where they uh, they're able to account for a South Carolina unit. Way to speed that one up there, mate. Okay, let's <laughs> jump into the Big Twelve. We're going to start at the bottom. Baylor visit Texas, Kansas State get Kansas, and West Virginia head to Lubbock to face Texas Tech. Have you got anything on those three games in particular? 
Well, firstly, the Baylor-Texas one is a massive matchup for Tom Herman because this is at home against a Baylor Bears team that is rebuilding this year. New head coach, he needs to win that one. Sam Ellinger is a player, we know this. He's one that was in the Heisman conversation before they dropped out of national relevance, as with his shot. Uh, so they've just simply got to win that. And, and they haven't been able to do that comfortably in games this year. So we've got to expect to see that. Kansas, Kansas State, oof, like Kansas might Give have the been... ball to Juice Vaughn and you win. Give the ball to Juice Vaughn, you're done. Yeah. Don't even yeah. think about it. Uh, oh, absolutely. Especially now Puka Williams is out. So it's really surprising <laughs> to see that's only 19 points, that line. Yeah. Um, knowing that, I feel like Kansas State could just absolutely roll them. Like high school teams could fucking roll them. Um, <laughs> and what was the other one you mentioned? West Virginia. West Virginia and Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Oh, let, hopefully we see some points. I mean, really they seem off. like quite similar teams at the moment. A little bit inconsistent. Obviously, Texas Tech. Uh, Alan Bowman is out again because he is, in fact, made of glass. Um, and they get Columby, or I'm not sure. He's got sweet hair, uh, but he will start for the Red Raiders. Um, and West Virginia have been up and down. They struggled early last week against Kansas, but eventually got on top of them. Could be an entertaining game, but again, these are the sorts of games with the broad slate that lack relevance on a conference and national level, so therefore tend to get lost in the wash a little bit. For sure. Uh, let's jump back to the top then, and we are going for my chaos game of the week. Some men just want to watch the world burn. TCU and Oklahoma. Oh, look at you. You've changed. I'm joking, actually. It's Oklahoma State and Iowa State. The number six team in the country host Iowa State. It feels like the year that I know we're talking about all these big 12 games, but it feels like it's been like about 12 years since they played. But here we are. I never thought I'd ask you this when discussing an Oklahoma State team, but who has the better defense? As a legitimate question. This is a legitimate question this time. I'm not joking. Who has the better defense here? So are you saying here or are you saying Oklahoma State or Alabama? Oh, because <laughs> I'm probably thinking Oklahoma State at this point. Like, legit. Yeah. They, the, the, the Cowboys' defense has been sensational this year. And yes, they have come up against some of the less powerful Big 12 teams, but they have looked really, really good. They're, they're holding teams to under 21 points in, in all of their matchups so far, and they've been the strength of this side, which is just weird. Like, it's weird coming out of my mouth. Uh, Iowa State, for a little while, have been known to play solid defense. Uh, you know, that's relative. It's, it's a relative term in the Big 12, but <laughs> so, so, solid, solid defense. But from what I've seen, Oklahoma State have a lot of experience. They have playmakers. They're looking really good. I'm taking them all the way, and you're not going to get an unbiased opinion from me on this one, but I, <laughs> I'm going to continue to, to enjoy this because I'm just not used to it. Okay. Well, what's going on with the, as we continue in this little analysis of the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game? What's happening with the quarterback situation in Stillwater? Because we knew that Spencer Sanders was injured and then Mike Gundy has come out and said he's looking at a two-quarterback system. And from there, for our Australian listeners who don't know, a, a classic American uh, saying in sport, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got... Probably a couple of good ones. <laughs> you've got none. 
So what's going on there? Because it always worries me when they're rolling two quarterbacks. Yeah, look, I don't love hearing that either. I know uh, Mike Gundy previously ran that with uh, J.W. Walsh and Mason Rudolph uh, when he was around the spot uh, with J.W. Walsh handling most of the, the rushing play. But Spencer Sanders is not purely a running quarterback. Like He's mm. shown he can get it done with his arm. So whilst true freshman Shane Illingworth has come in and looked really good, well, quite good, especially for a, a freshman quarterback. I still think this is Spencer Sanders' gig, and I don't know if that's just smoke and mirrors. I think if he's good to go, then it's his. What he did have was one of those high ankle sprains, which can tend to linger around for quite some time. And if you don't give yourself like a decent six weeks off, you can you can come back too early. It can impact your play, and you see it every year in the NFL with guys who have it and then try and come back, and then are just down all year as a result of that. So I'm not sure if it's kind of trying a, a bit of pre- preservation because of that, but I would expect Spencer Sanders to enjoy the the added time they've had off. They've, they have had a couple of extra weeks off with the COVID game being cancelled. I don't know if that gives a bit of rust in other areas mm. and, and that's something that they need to be concerned about but it, it's given him to, him time to be back up and about and that trio of Sanders Hubbard and Tylan Wallace should be on full display in this one well I think what will be on full display is Brees Hall and Brock Purdy doing a little bit of damage and this one has got the potential to be the most entertaining game of the weekend uh, and certainly has got conference significance as well. So should be an entertaining one. If Oklahoma State are legit, they're at home, they win this one uh, and probably win it relatively handily because Iowa State, yeah, they've been okay in conference play, but they haven't exactly been fireworks and, and you know turning the lights on everywhere. So Oklahoma State really do need to go and win this one and win this not necessarily big but certainly in a more or less convincing way and control the game through that defense. Tuba Hubbard needs to get going and the Oklahoma State Cowboys should roll. However, I'm still picking this as my chaos game of the week. Boom. All right, let's jump into Oklahoma and TCU. So my habitual reaction to this game is to just pick Oklahoma because that's what you do. In the last eight years... That's always been the safe bet. So I, I, rather than doing that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to dig a little deeper because I'm not 100% convinced on Oklahoma at this stage. And the numbers show that in total offense, scoring offense, total defense, third down conversions, explosive plays, it is not TCU coming out on top. Oklahoma are still controlling the conference in a lot of these critical uh, areas and critical um metrics that you want to see your teams on top of the only categories that oklahoma do lead tc uh, sorry that tcu lead oklahoma is in turnover margin and penalties now they can be big as well you don't want to be giving up lots of turnovers and oklahoma have done that spencer rattler has burned the ball this year penalties will kill you uh so I know some of this data is probably a bit skewed by the overtime game against Texas, but the perception is that Oklahoma is not very good this year and they're going to lose a lot of games and that Spencer Rattler has a scattergun for an arm and the defense sucks still. And whilst I think that is partly true, I just it doesn't feel right about convincingly going with Oklahoma, but I'm still going to. I don't trust Max Duggan. I don't trust this TCU offense. They put up 30 points two out of three times. Uh, it was only the K-State game where they didn't. They did get Iowa State 
um, and Texas, and they scored in bunches in those ones. I don't rate Oklahoma's defense, but I don't know that I can. I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm tempted to take the Frogs. Where do you sit and convince me one way or the other? Look, I am going with the habitual pick. I haven't done that extra work that you've put in there, so kudos to you. In this matchup, Oklahoma wins, and uh, I haven't looked at it, so I'm, I'm sticking with that. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I think if TCU had beaten K-State and looked convincing on offense in doing so, then I'd agree with you. The only issue with that line of thinking is that Oklahoma's defense sucks. They're not K-State's defense, so they are going to be able to score points. I'm just, I have to take Oklahoma, I, I think. I, I'm not sold, and I would be not, I'd not bet this game if my life depended on it, but uh, I'm hoping a shootout. This one could be entertaining. Wouldn't shock me to see Oklahoma go down again. We are blitzing through here now. Okay, ACC time. Syracuse gets smoked by Clemson. That has already happened. We know that. The line sits at 49 points. 49 points. Is that some sort of ACC record? Yeah, maybe. I reckon what record could go down, and that is the biggest two-game margin of victory or possibly the biggest two-game score. I don't know. There were some big scores put up back in like the 30s and whatever. But Clemson could give that a nudge here. After winning 73-7 to last week, if they do something similar again, surely that has got to be some sort of record. I'm not saying they will, but sorry, Syracuse, I don't think this is your day. Um, not even going to hang around on that one unless you've got anything critical you want to say. No, certainly not. Number 23, NC State at number 14, North Carolina. If Devin Leary was healthy in this one, I think this is a relatively close game. UNC so far this season has struggled to take care of Boston College. They lost to FSU and then they beat Virginia Tech, but that was in a relatively high scoring but close game as well. They haven't distanced themselves from anyone and that is always a concern for a top ranked team is can you convincingly beat teams that you should beat? And they yet to do that. I still think with Devin Leary out, a 10 to 13 point UNC victory is on the cards here. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. That's a massive loss for them. I I want to think that NC State uh, have what it takes to get over what I still continue to believe is an overrated North Carolina side. But I feel like I've picked upsets in almost every one of these matchups, and, and <laughs> it, it just ain't happening here. So I, I like North Carolina and Sam how to bounce back here. Florida State are at Louisville, and this would be if this game if. Florida State, for some reason, was ranked or whatever, and a lot of people are thinking that they're better now because of their win against North Carolina last week. A lot of people are picking FSU. Are are they going favorites? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, But they have beaten a top 10 team last week and then backing it up by going on the road against a team that I think is better than their record. That's not a great recipe for Florida State. We saw Louisville play some defense last week, which was a shock to most people's systems, including the entirety of Notre Dame. Um, But this is going to be a tough out for Florida State. Despite Jordan uh, Travis giving them some more juice at the quarterback position last week, they went stone cold in the second half on offense. And I just don't know if they're going to have enough to beat a Louisville team that I think are going to start moving in a positive direction from here. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Uh, their defense looks more settled. And we know that um, Mikhail Cunningham uh, will you know, be serviceable and difficult to defend with that 
both run, with his legs and his arm. He's he's going to be a really really uh, Malik Cunningham, not Mikhail Cunningham. My apologies. Malik Cunningham is going to be tough to to defend for this Florida State defense, which has been again opened up at times this year. Yeah, look, Louisville have been really disappointing this year. Florida State, I think, might turn the corner on the back of their surprise victory last week. I'm buying into that narrative. I know you may be a little uh, more pessimistic on their chances. And like, if you look at the box score, that this there wasn't that much going for them. Like, they got really lucky with a few mm. plays that helped them blow out to a big lead. But I think that's enough to, to create a spark and a bit of belief for this Florida State team. I mean, as much of this is, I don't think Louisville are very good uh, as it is that Florida State uh, uh, will win. Um, so for mine, Jordan Travis has, has added a different dimension to this Florida State offense. He's very much a, a running quarterback and will look to leverage off of that. And that's going to be something that I think this poor Louisville defense is going to struggle to contain. He could run wild. I'm expecting him to run for over 150 yards in this one. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa. And on wow. the back of that, the Seminoles cool. get the victory. No, I'm taking Louisville. And if you are a smart betting person, you would bet big on Louisville outright in this one. Okay, Miami and Virginia, I'm not going to hang around on this one. The only kind of interesting tidbit on this is it looks like Virginia are going to use not a two-quarterback system, but a three-quarterback system, which will be fun. And on top of that, two of their quarterbacks wear numbers 98 and 99, which is something that I've never seen before. But that is kind of pretty much it i think miami faced two really good defenses in clemson and Pitt in the last two weeks so i think the wide receivers will have a little more success down the field because they're well overdue to do that but outside of that i, I think miami should probably cruise in this one they're taking the piss aren't they 98 99 <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good gear. uh yeah i mean you're right uh, miami offense was really good to start the season and then has been somewhat contained i think they get back to where they were having success, and that's running the ball. I think they continue to uh, feed Big Cameron the the rock there and get um, Derek King, Derek King going. <laughs> so between the the two four names that we've got there, um, the they're they're going to rush for over two hundred yards. They're, they're going to make that a priority, and I, I fully expect Miami to control this one and win quite comfortably. Okay, Georgia Tech at BC and Virginia Tech at Wake. Anything on those two games? William? Uh, I do like Wake in that matchup. So I think Virginia Tech, whilst they're starting to get a little more settled uh, after their interruptions that they've had, Wake have been sneaky good this year. Uh, they've they've yeah, won yeah. games. They're, they're putting up points. Defensively, struggling a little bit. But offensively, they continue to roll. They, they were really, really good with Jamie Newman on a center. He obviously moved on and then opted out. And uh, I can't remember the name of the kid who's... Sam Hartman. In. There we go. Has, uh, he's replicating that success. He's having good numbers. And they're, they're doing good things at Wake Forest. So this is a program that perennially overachieved and, and I'm expecting them to do that again so they're certainly going to take it right up to Virginia Tech who are one of the better teams in the ACC yeah I, I don't think this one I mean it's at Wake it yeah 
I think Virginia Tech control this one. I think Hendon Hooker is starting to get things going. He can chunk you up on the ground, and he's a good enough passer to be able to execute there as well. I think their defense is pretty good. Uh, I think BC probably get the best of Georgia Tech. I don't. I don't. I think this might rattle Georgia Tech a little bit. Their big blowout loss. Uh, last week and and this could be a bit of a slide for them I think they didn't come into the season looking particularly strong they beat Florida State hung around in some games but I think now the wheels potentially fall off for Reckham other games SMU and Cincinnati this is a ranked matchup I think Cincinnati possibly have the best cornerbacks in the country maybe Um, outside of who are the boys at South Carolina is it JC Horn uh, who's or yeah, who's a good one? But anyway, um, Cincinnati have got a really really good defensive backfield. They have got a good defensive coordinator. Um, their head man Luke Fickle. You're a big fan of his. He's a really good operator as well. And I think on the other side, you're getting SMU at the right slash wrong time because they lose Reggie Robeson last week, and and that was clearly a massive hole for them uh, on the outside at that receiver position. So. Um, I don't think this game's really going to be that close because SMU need to score points and Cincinnati won't let you. So I'm taking Desmond Ritter and the Bearcats in Interesting, that interesting. So I think SMU are opening up as three-point favorites in this one. Uh, so your take there is certainly uh, a little spicy. Um, I, I like yep. it because it's a strength-on-strength matchup, which we like seeing. And we talk about this a bit. Uh, Cincinnati's defense, you're right, has, has been really, really good. But SMU needs some credit. I mean, running the ball, passing the ball, I think they're leading the nation in, in a lot of those areas. Yes, they've probably played more games than most because they seem to be ducking and weaving the COVID. <laughs> but um, th- this, this is too un beaten teams this year and this is certainly one for me that i've got highlighted that i'm, I'm not going to miss this weekend i'm really looking oh, forward to it uh i think this will be a, a great matchup of the group of five this is probably the best matchup we're going to see in the group of five this year so mm-hmm. uh i'm certainly going to dial into it and, and look forward to it in that later time slot on the sunday for us what time does this one kick here? i believe it's 11 30 here in adelaide because i've got a 10 30 that i'll Obviously, the Miami game, or maybe not, is at 10.30. So I'll be watching that one. So I should be able to get bits and pieces of this game. Anyway, uh, the other conference that kicks off this week, which we haven't given any airtime to, is the Mountain West. Uh, The big teams, for those that do not know geographically, you are looking over onto the West Coast. Boise State have always been the pride of that particular conference. Um, and they open up as 17-point favorites against Utah State, who Jordan Love, if you're an NFL fan, Jordan Love was the quarterback there last year, drafted to the Green Bay Packers. Boise State will win this one. Other interesting games potentially would be Hawaii at Fresno State. That is a uh, four-point margin to Fresno State, the Bulldogs there. But I think this Hawaii team, we always keep a close eye on Hawaii. We always like to see Hawaii doing well um, because of their, um, their well, the fact that we have so many Australians that head over to play for the Rainbow Warriors um, is a reason that we keep an eye on, on them so closely. Obviously, I just completely butchered my words. Um, but those two would be the most interesting games of the 
weekend, I would think. Yeah, it's good to have the Mountain West back. As you mentioned, a lot of Australians across that entire conference, so that's really good. Uh, and I'm hoping that they can all get off to a successful start, put up some big numbers, and we'll be able to pump them up in the, uh, the recap show. Oh, righty. That takes us through literally every game. We got to speed this bad boy up. So let's get into the championship draft. I believe you're picking first, Will. So who are you getting rid of? Who are you keeping? So uh, the only... I've, I've got a few options that I could sell, I suppose. So I've got Notre Dame, who are at 23 bucks. Uh, they should beat Pitt, so I'll, I'll hold on to them there. At Virginia Tech, who were down and up and down and up, and now they're at 7 bucks. So I'm back making money on them, which is cool. Uh, I did say that they would lose, didn't I? So perhaps I should sell them. Yeah, I'm going to sell Virginia Tech. I'm going to sell them for seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On your way. Uh, so what Good. does that get me? Four, three, 23. Oof, that leaves me a dollar short of Alabama. I would really like Alabama. <laughs> I'm not making this up on the bank play. now. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, you All must right, be so. making some bank now because I struggled. I've struggled to get in any kind of money at, at this point, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. All right. Well, all right. That gives me 23 bucks. I was going to pull the trigger on Florida down at 16 bucks without selling a team and, and back them in to win out there. But I think now I have the $23 and I'm a dollar away from Alabama. Yes, I'm not going to make any money on them but i'm a good shot at potentially having someone to compete with your two heavy hitters so that means i need to get someone who is not worth anything if i'm looking around there you've got memphis oklahoma tulsa west virginia auburn of that group don't really like any of them uh i'll take uh memphis um just on the outside there so yeah i don't know Hopefully they can do some stuff in the American. <laughs> they should win this week. They'll get into the top 25 and you'll get your dollar. Okay, I'm going to dump Georgia Tech just because I want. I don't want to have them. Oof. Like, <laughs> so you're selling your stocks for nothing. Yes. You're giving I them am, away. Okay. I am, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I'll take a bag of chips for them. And I'm going to take Utah. Interesting. Because I don't have a Pac-12 team. They're going to be hopefully good as they always are at some stage they'll end up ranked then i can sell them and pick someone that's worth more <laughs> but they'll okay. end up in the ranking somewhere because they always do no i like um, it that's good so uh virginia tech out for me uh georgia tech out for you and memphis in for me utah in for you yeah and cool. oh i still haven't seen these i'm a visual dude so we'll have to have a look at those but anyway let us continue on bold prediction time i feel like i'm getting in my groove with bold prediction i feel like i'm not too far off and i've even got a couple here for us so um so this is where all the preparation's gone into in, well into not really no. I, like, I don't just want like i was like oh i'll just pick this and it's like that's that's shit like i'm just guessing at this point it needs to be yeah it needs to be bold but it needs to be something that actually could happen so um i'll let you kick us off though and i'll Go okay. You know, I like to name my bold prediction. So this one is... Yeah, you do. Maybe we should have stayed in hibernation. So <laughs> oh God, here we go. The Big Ten. Just... The Big Ten. I'm saying that the favourites... So right now, as it stands, the favourites across the Big Ten. Uh, let me bring up who that would be. So we are looking at Wisconsin over Illinois. 
Uh, Ohio State over Nebraska, Michigan State over Rutgers, Penn State over Indiana, Iowa over Purdue, Michigan over Minnesota, and Northwestern over Maryland. Mm-hmm. The favorites there are going to win by a combined 100 points. Whoa. Okay. So do all the favorites need to win? Is that what you're saying? Well, or? if they lose, then that, that counts as a negative, negative. points okay. towards the 100. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be looking good if that happens. But I'm thinking that the teams are favorites are going to blow, blow things out there and uh, Seven really games. get after it. Seven games. Well, you're going to get a lot of money back on the uh, high state game probably. but And you're picking against Minnesota. Yeah, I think that that's definitely bold. I don't think it's going to happen, but definitely bold. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten as well. And I'm going to say that Justin Fields has more touchdowns, both running and passing, than he does in completions against Nebraska. I think he's set for a big day. My bonus... I will give you a bonus one because I always do. Bo Nix has arguably the best game of his career. Now, this is going up against 335 yards, passing 56 rushing yards, two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, no interceptions in a win against Mississippi State last year. I'm saying that there is an argument after this weekend that he has played the best game of his career. So like someone somewhere just needs to make that argument and then you Well, you, you could argue it. So you might not <laughs> throw for 300 yards, but he could throw four touchdowns. Apparently you could argue like, for a flat earth. <laughs> like you're not really narrowing things do down here, dude. Um, yeah, but like, well... Yeah. I've got yes, you rattled you here. You I've can, got you rattled You would be here. able to make an argument... Yeah, you do have me rattled. You would be able to make the argument. That's all I'm saying. Like, if it's if it, if he passes for 210 yards, he goes minus 14 rushing and has three touchdowns. No, that's probably not the best game of his career, especially if they go and lose. So, no, it has to be something that, you know, can be defended in a court of college football down under law. And that's what we need. I need to be able to do. So... You know I've got no belief in this, so this is definitely bold because I don't think he's going to have a good game. I don't think he's even very good. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but this is the sort of game that he can turn that around. Okay, we need to go on the punt. It's taken us fucking forever to get to this point, so I don't know how this show's still going. Here comes but the money. Apparently it is. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Never in the history of this segment has that intro been less true. So we <laughs> we have now hit a new rock bottom and there's only so many times you should have to say rock bottom when announcing your picks on these sort of betting things. But we are at negative 20 units. This is uncharted territory. We are taking out loans to pay for our gambling at this stage and it is not pretty so you know what happens when we get to this point we change things up oh god it's happening again it happens again we we gotta find something that works and backing in a sure winner in a crazy chaos season was never a fucking great idea so that's That's my bad. I'll put the hand up. I'll wear that. I'll acknowledge it. You keep acknowledging stuff. You sound like a... At some point, uh, you've got to get fired, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, you can't no. just be... You can't just... Yeah, nah. I was shit today at work. Sorry, yeah. boss. My bad. It's like... 
This yeah. dude comes in and thinks he can be shit, but every time he says he's <laughs> shit, it makes it okay. I'm that guy, apparently. And, and that's what's happening here. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to apologize for that fact. Go fuck yourself if you don't like it. I'm, I'm on the search of something better for us as a punting group. And I really want it for us. I mean, a lot of that is selfish because I Is this a losing. lifelong journey for you? Yeah, it feels like it at this point. <laughs> it could be. It could be. It's... We're going no, to turn get, the corner Let's fucking get point. to it because... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, three three games, all upsets. We're leaning into the chaos now. <laughs> just picking upsets. Oh, so three units on each game, and then we're going to multi all three and really try and get weird and make something happen. So my first one is uh, Florida State to win against Louisville. Oh, don't do it. Yep. Don't it's happening. Do it's it. happening. Locked out away. No, I never gamble. If I was going to gamble on something, I'd gamble on that game, and I'd be taking Louisville. Yeah, well, now everyone's heard that. They're like, oh, fuck, Will might get this one right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Florida State will beat Louisville. Easy. There's some points there. Uh, I'm going to take Wake to beat Virginia Tech at home, like this Wake Forest team. So uh, we'll, we'll take that one. It's a good one there. Don't do that either. <laughs> I don't. And then to really round things out. Wait, you're, uh, not going, you're not going against the spread here. You're going out, right? Yeah, this right? is to win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. We ain't fucking around here. Uh, the... The last one, so I was looking at that Pitt Notre Dame game. I I, I thought uh, that would there. be. I'd go. I'd go that one. No, nah, I backed off of that. Don't like that. After going through our conversation here, I'm now on TCU to beat Oklahoma. <laughs> Fuck the Sooners, up the Horned Frogs. They'll win that one. So we'll put three units there. Um, let me. I, I haven't put the bets down, so I don't have the odds here. But I'll put it out on our Twitter account. So. Uh, once I get the odds in, it'll be three units on each of those. Then there'll be a multi on the lot of it. I'll put it out there. So you just follow us on Twitter uh, to, to get these picks because they're hot property. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, from that, we're, we're going to bounce back. I think if they all get in, we'll probably be back in the positive and uh, I'll be getting uh, the last laugh. <laughs> See what doesn't waver? The optimism. It's, it's, still, it's <laughs> ever present. You're like a drug addict, dude. That's a little bit, yeah. Uh, also, whilst on this, some, uh, horses racing race eight on Saturday at Morfittville Trip. It's uh, the final of the series that's in here. It's actually opened a uh, favourite, $3.30. So if you are, it, it's won its last two starts. Um, certainly get around that too. I'm going to be having a big day down at Morfittville in the box there. Uh, followed into an AFL grand final. That 6 a.m. start for the Oklahoma State game is going to be tough. You have got a big weekend ahead of you. And if you can calculate all the units you go down, not only in college football, but also across the scope of AFL grand final and the various animals that you will gamble on the outcomes of their particular races, you need to make sure you keep some sort of track of that. Maybe a spreadsheet no, not going to do that. So it's too hard to... That, that gets, <laughs> that'd get real scary. So we'll keep well clear. All right. That brings us to the end of this week. What are we? Week seven? Week eight preview. Holy jeez. Uh, week eight preview. Please make sure that you do hit us up on Twitter, at on Instagram and Facebook as well at CFB down under. Um, make sure you drop us a line, say hi, leave us a review, subscribe on your pod catcher of choice. Tell your friends about us. Um, we've got a few bits and pieces coming up in the near future as well. 
So thank you as always for joining us on behalf of that guy over there. My name is Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time. I don't have Alabama enough, lose. I don't have so enough we money. So we can get rid of this goddamn song. I don't have money in my lose. account to make this bet. <laughs> find some money to get in my account. It's not a good place, dude. Just say that you love me.